podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Phillips Laven of the 1012 Podcast here. Have you been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I? Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. Three, two, welcome to the 1012 Welcome to the 1012, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference, soon to be 14 and then 12. I'm your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us for our midweek episode. Don't worry, we've got March Madness talk coming up. Our pro picker, Daniel Alexander, is going to talk about we're going to break down the lines for all of the Big 12's Sweet 16 games. Yes. That includes Houston, Arizona, and talk about some of the uh, Final Four betting lines. Get some good value in there. There's some good value, if you like, to bet on Final Four odds on the weekend of the Sweet 16. So we'll talk about that with Daniel coming up in a minute. A couple quick pieces of news. Obviously, Kansas State has found their new men's basketball coach, uh, Mantang. That's just a, gosh, that's a good name. That is a great name. Uh, Former, now former associate head coach from Baylor, now the new head coach at Kansas State. Uh, his introduction was on Wednesday and went very well. Jerome Tang looks real good in purple and in lavender. And you you know it's a good sign when the school he is leaving is, is, is praising it. Like, they're all saying, thank you, you were awesome. This is, you know, congrats to Kansas State. Y'all got a good one. I am very excited for Kansas State. You can't not be excited because it, it does feel like this is a really good hire and one we thought was very likely, but a good one. And he's already off to a great start. He's stealing Ulrich, uh I'm going to say Maligi. It's probably wrong, and I'm sorry, but it's the Texas assistant is joining Tang at Kansas State, and that guy is a heck of a recruiter. That is what he's known for. That's what Kansas State needs. I'm, I'm pumped to see what he does. Oklahoma State has a new women's basketball coach, J.C. Hoyt, uh, hired over away from, it's Kansas City, but it used to be UMKC, but now they've done to Kansas City, kind of like Euler went to Little Rock. It's like, I don't, you're always going to be UMKC to me. It's like Louisiana Lafayette, it's now just called Louisiana. 
Like, I get it. Name changes. They're very confusing. It's Kansas City. But they hired her over away from Kansas City. Uh, things seem like they're going well there for now. We'll certainly see how she does in her first season and Tang as well. So congrats to the new coaches now in the Big 12. Uh, like I said, we'll have basketball talk coming up. We're going to get a lot more football once March Madness is over. But this is a big weekend. It's a big weekend for the Big 12 because it is the start of conference play for softball. So... Yeah, we're going to talk about it. My good friend, Melina Sanchez, joining us back this week. Melina, welcome. Hey, what's going on? You know, I've been consumed in March Madness as well, but you got to make time for softball because it's just that great. I, I know you're feeling better right now. You were a little anxious. Texas was tied 2-2 with Texas State. They got the 4-2 win. So I feel like you're going to be ready to roll. Going to be real smooth on this and not angry or anxious or nervous while we're recording. Yeah, I definitely feel a little bit better about that 4-2 win. You know, it's just that... Nice 30-minute drive to San Marcos that can always cause Texas trouble. But uh, the co-Big 12 player of the week, Mackenzie Parker, comes through for Texas, hitting that home run, getting them the 4-2 win. Very exciting. Okay, so like I said, this is the first weekend of conference play. Uh, Iowa State's the odd man out this week because there are seven teams. That means somebody each week is not going to be playing. They will be in Provo, Utah against future Big 12 opponent BYU for what I think is going to be a pretty good series. Uh, we're going to talk about the Big 12 series, but just real quick. I mean, Iowa State, they have the the fourth best record right now behind Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Texas. RPI is not all that good, but I do think this is a good opportunity for them in Provo to put together potentially three wins to really help a resume that, that needs it. Yeah, like you said, a future Big 12 opponent, them going to BYU, hopefully they can they can pull off of three wins and and get things rolling. I mean, uh, like you said, their RPI hasn't been great, um, but they got a couple wins in Stockton, California against Sacramento State and Santa Clara. Lost a game to Pacific, but um, hopefully they're on the right track and get things rolling. Get some, get three wins against a future Big 12 opponent before they head into Austin. Yeah, BYU currently 56th in the RPI, 19-7 record on the season. That'd be a, a nice opportunity for them to pick up some, some true road wins. Okay, let's talk about this weekend. We're going to make picks every week uh, during conference play. For who we think is going to come out, um, probably going to be a lot of a lot of consensus uh, when Oklahoma, Texas, and Oklahoma State are not playing each other. Uh, but let's start with the, with Lawrence, Kansas, Texas on the way to face the Jayhawks. Um, look, I I I, I want to be as as nice as I can here, but Kansas is just they're just struggling this season. This has not been a good year for Kansas, uh, statistically, not not what you want to see, not what you want to see. Uh, Texas seems to be rounding into form. Now they still have their blips. They still have moments um, where you're seeing some of the issues that we have seen from them early in the season, but it does feel like they're starting to play closer to what we expected for Texas this year. Yeah. Texas started off a little bit shaky, especially in that Clearwater tournament going 0-5. Kansas is catching Texas at the wrong time. They're 13-0 in their last 13 games. They had a tie with Minnesota. Uh, last weekend because of travel issues but the, but when you're Kansas and you have a hot Texas team coming in that's the last thing you want uh, coach McFall the head coach for Kansas used to be the assistant coach at Texas and when your best pitcher has a 517 ERA and you're facing a hot Texas team it's not a good recipe so I expect Texas to get a clean sweep in Lawrence Kansas and hopefully keep building the momentum for the tougher opponents like Oklahoma State and Oklahoma yeah Kansas currently the big 12 sixth in batting average ninth in ERA and uh, seventh, sorry. There's only seven teams. Seventh in the RA in pitching and, and seventh as a team in fielding uh, on defense. 
yeah, I think this is a clean sweep for Texas. Um, I, 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 hopefully Kansas can figure something out, but this is the worst time possible for Kansas to be pacing a Texas team that is, as you said, uh, quite hot. So I think I agree with you. I think I'm going to go with a Texas clean sweep. I know that's not very exciting, and I'm sorry, but you know sometimes you just got to you got to go with what you got to go with. Um, Baylor on the road to Norman to face. Speaking of hot, Oklahoma. Uh, we're going to talk about the Sooners' unbeaten streak here in a minute. Uh, one quick uh, fun fact: We've talked about Allo's home run streak. She finally broke the record. Not only has she broken the record, uh, she hit home runs number 101 and 102 and now has the most home runs by a player, both college softball and college baseball. So she is, I mean, saying the home run queen just doesn't feel like it's enough anymore. Now it really just feels like the home run champ. Yeah, she's absolutely silly. Like you said, she's leading in home runs with 14 of them now. But what's even more impressive is that batting average. She's hitting 540. Are you kidding me? I mean, that's ridiculous. Usually you hit for average or you hit for power. She does both. She's pretty unstoppable. Watch that Kentucky game last night. Thought, uh, saw Jordy Ball throw an absolute gem. You know, she went six innings, 12 strikeouts, no walks with only one earned run. They're just playing phenomenal softball. It just seems like they're pretty much unbeatable. I was texting with a friend yesterday and I said, watching OU is just, it's just unfair watching, watching them play. It's like everything always goes their way. They literally can never do anything wrong. They have the best hitters in the country, you know, Kinsey Hansen, Jocelyn Allo, Tiara Jennings. I mean, it's just insane. Yeah. Um, Baylor, Oklahoma, we've already seen this game played once. Uh, they played in uh, in Honolulu. Oklahoma got the best of Baylor 12-3. to Well, I, I do think Baylor has a shot to be pretty good this year. Um, and, and we're going to talk about uh, postseason here in just a second, but I have a hard time not seeing a clean sweep from the Sooners this weekend. Oh, yeah, definitely a clean sweep for the Sooners this weekend um, against Baylor. And let me talk about Lindsey Elam. <laughs> five straight home runs. Five straight home runs. She she went in there, four bats, four home runs, got her fifth at bat, fifth home run. So, like I said, everything is just going right for the Sooners. Uh, the Baylor Bears are in trouble. I think it's a clean sweep for Oklahoma this weekend as well. Okay, I got to ask. We'll do Oklahoma State and Texas here in just a second. But, um, Oklahoma is undefeated. They are 26-0. They've run-ruled, I think, 20 of their 26 opponents. Uh, They have not played a seven-inning game in the month of March. They have outscored their opponents 113-6 this month so far. Um, I mean, honestly, at this point, a a win for Baylor is forcing Oklahoma to play a full seven-inning game. Looking at Oklahoma's schedule the rest of the way, Melina, I got to ask. I mean, they were good last year. They still took two losses during the regular season. They had the loss to Georgia. They had the regular season loss to Oklahoma State. Uh, They lost to JMU in the the College World Series. One game in Oklahoma City. Looking at OU's schedule the rest of the way, they've got conference play. They've got a couple of games against UAB. They've got some midweek games against Tulsa, uh, North Texas, Kansas City, does Oklahoma lose a game in the regular season? Or, or period, do, do they lose a game this year? And if so, where is it? I joked with you earlier, and uh, you asked me, when do you think Oklahoma streak's going to be over? And I said, when they're holding up that national championship trophy. And uh, I, tru- I truly do believe that. I mean, like you said, they have a midweek against Tulsa. You know, maybe those in-state 
rivalries cause you some trouble. I'd like to hope that maybe Texas and Oklahoma State can can give Oklahoma fits, but it really doesn't seem like it. I'm still looking forward to, to those games, especially the Oklahoma State and Texas ones. Um, but I don't see Oklahoma losing. I know they had a couple close games against Tennessee and then against Utah, but I mean, they're just on fire. Like I said, I, I watched them play against Kentucky yesterday. They can do no wrong, especially the way Jordy Ball's pitching. If they, if they continue with the pitching, with the hitting, there's no one slowing down this train. Yeah. They've only not run ruled six times. So 20 of their 26 wins are run rules. Two of those came in like the opening weekend out in Irvine. Uh, two of them, three of them came pretty close together. Baylor does have one of them. It was a 12-3 win, but it wasn't a run rule. Uh, I just, I, man, it, it's hard to pick a game and I need to pick one. Um, they do play Texas in Austin. Um, I, it's hard, right? Because I think because nobody's perfect. I think no. Um, look, I, 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 I they're going to lose one in postseason. Like I just, I, I would fully expect them because it's so the teams play so well in Oklahoma city. Like it wouldn't shock me if Oklahoma lost a game there. Maybe they face Tennessee again. Maybe, maybe this time UCLA is able to get it over. Maybe again, JMU last year was the team that, that, that beat them. Um, if they're going to lose a regular season game, and look, I love OSU, but those that three-game series is in Norman. They have to go to Austin for that series. I think Texas can get one. I think Texas can put together a, a good game and take one game from Oklahoma. Don't ask me which one of those three games it's going to be. I have no clue. Um, good luck figuring out where in the pitching lineup Oklahoma is at its weakest because it's just not. So... I'm going to say they lose one regular season game. I think it's going to come at in, in Austin at Texas. And then I would expect them to lose one more in the postseason in Oklahoma City. That's it. I mean, if you told me Oklahoma goes undefeated the rest of the year, like it's not going to shock me either the way they're playing. I, we said coming this year, I thought this Oklahoma team would be better than last year. They have been. And last year's team was ridiculous and won, and, and won the title. They're going to do it again this year. I will be very shocked if somebody not named Oklahoma wins the national championship this year. And if Oklahoma goes undefeated, then um, they're going to have an argument for greatest team all time with the way the hitting is going. Okay, uh, last last matchup we're going to talk about. Texas Tech traveling to Stillwater to face Oklahoma State. Texas Tech is on a nine-game winning streak. They had a rough start to the season, but they had a very difficult schedule. And and look, it's a similar schedule to what teams like Oklahoma and Oklahoma State have faced, but Texas Tech is not Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. They lost a lot of games. They lost every game they played in Clearwater, but they had some close ones. It was a 1-0 loss to Washington, a 2-0 loss to LSU. Um, like they've played close games with really good teams and just haven't been two one to UCLA, two one to Missouri. That's and they just haven't been able to get over the hump. And you look at Texas Tech and say, if they could have just they just could have could have gotten there with this winner, just could have gotten there with that one, they'd have a couple of wins on their resume to really impress you. Um, which is why I think this weekend, as good as Oklahoma State is playing, and they're playing fantastic, their offensive issues seem to be correcting themselves. Miranda Elish is playing the way we thought that she would when she signed at Oklahoma State, despite taking the year off. And so OSU is starting to get better and better and better. That said, we saw the loss by Oklahoma State to UT Arlington midweek last week. It was a fluky loss, but OSU's offense fizzled. And I think it's going to have issues throughout the season where the offense is playing better, but they're going to have a game here or there where it's just, it just, just can't put the runs up. 
I think OSU is winning this series. OSU dropped one to open conference play last year against Kansas. I know these are at home. That crowd's going to be raucous. I will pick OSU to win this series 2-1. to one. I, I think Texas Tech might be able to steal one game. Yeah, those midweek games are always tough. Like that loss to UT Arlington, hopefully it was just one of those, like you said, fluky losses. But they're on a nice four-game win streak. I mean, run really in Wichita State twice as impressive. Wichita State is a good team. If you remember, they were in that Norman, Oklahoma regional last year where they knocked off Texas A&M in the first game and then played Oklahoma in the second game, lost five to seven, but kept that one close for a really long time and then went in and beat Texas A&M again before getting blown out uh, by Oklahoma. So they're a good team. I expect a clean sweep from Oklahoma State uh, this weekend. You know, they got Kelly Maxwell. I mean, Kelly Maxwell, she's a star, right? 121 strikeouts. Her ERA has gone up slightly since the last time we talked, uh, 1.21. But, I mean, she's dealing. She's 9-0, and only giving up 12 earned runs. Limits the walks, 33 walks on the year. Hopefully behind her, Miranda Illich can can step in and throw some some nice innings. Cheyenne Factor, Haley Busby, like you said, a bit, uh, they got Julia Cottrell back. Big pickup for them. That's you know inserted herself right in the lineup and is very comfortable. So um, Oklahoma State, one of the, another team that's starting to find their groove, just like Texas. Hopefully they're finding it at the right time. And I like I said, I expect a clean sweep from Oklahoma State against Texas Tech this weekend. I like it. Maybe I'm trying to be too. Uh too cautiously optimistic. Yeah, Kelly Maxwell leads the Big 12 in strikeouts with 121. Elish has gotten her ERA down to, to 2.47. It was at like five-something at the beginning of the season when we were talking. It was quite high. Um, she's done a lot of work to bring that down. So um, I expect Oklahoma State to win. I'm going to wrap with this. Um, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Texas, they all feel like locks for regionals. I would expect Oklahoma and Oklahoma State to host. I think Texas will be able to make a case for that. At the moment, Oklahoma is number one in the RPI. OSU is number eight, and Texas is number 12. Obviously, a lot of softball still to be played, both in the Big 12 and across the country, but I think all three teams are making it to a regional, and all three will have a case to host. The Big 12, I know the back half is down. Not as good at Baylor and Iowa State in the, in the non-conference records as it was last year. So I'm curious from you, and, and I've got a team, and I want to know what yours is. If the Big 12 is able to get a fourth team into regionals this year, who do you think that one team is? You know, that's tough. I mean, like you said, the, the, these lower end half Big 12 teams are having a really hard time. Um, like we expect Oklahoma, obviously, to get in Oklahoma State and Texas to get in. But if I had to pick one other team, I think I'm going to roll with Texas Tech. I mean, they're battle tested. They've had a really tough schedule. Um, they've played games against Auburn, Washington, LSU, Missouri, Northwestern, UCF. So when you schedule those tough games in before you get to conference play, you expect to be battle-tested. You want to play those tough games so that you're ready for conference play. Um, they're on a nice nine-game win streak, too, and, and, and their pitching is, is not bad. I mean, uh, Kendall Fritz, 1.81 ERA. She's got 66 strikeouts on the year, so hopefully she can carry them through conference play and, and they can, you know, be a surprise and, and, and uh, win some have some quality wins under their belt. This is all learning experience for them. They got a new head coach with Sammy Ward, a young team. Um, but I like the way she set up their schedule and has and has battle tested them. They got quality wins lately against Tulsa, a, a new uh, Division One team, uh, Charlton State. Some good wins against Corpus, and they faced Incarnate Ward, Northern Colorado, uh, won those four games in Lubbock. So if I had to pick one, I'm going to roll with Texas Tech. I really wanted to pick Iowa State. Uh, they have the best record of all the of everyone else. Um, and coming into the year, I'm a big fan of Jamie Pinkerton. Michaela Ramos is one of the best hitters in the Big Twelve. Uh, and, and look, 
Do you realize Iowa State does not play their first true home game until April 6th against Northern Iowa? They played every game away from home, and that will continue through March and into April. I get it. Weather's crazy. Maybe play like like one series. I want to pick Iowa State, but I can't. Um, RPI matters a lot. And, and right now, Iowa State's RPI is 70th. Now, obviously, that can change in Big 12 play because there's so many good teams. But we saw last year, uh, Oklahoma State lost one game to Kansas and a couple to Oklahoma. And that was Kansas, I think, was the only team to get a win over the top three. Kansas got one win over Oklahoma State. OU didn't lose to anybody but OSU. Texas didn't lose to anybody but OU and OSU. I, it's, I have a hard time this year. I, you hope if you're Iowa State or Baylor or Texas Tech or Kansas, you can, you can find a way to get a win against the Texas, Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma. Otherwise, it falls down to everybody else. Like I said, Iowa State's 70th, Texas Tech is 58th, Baylor is 44th. Baylor has played, a Texas Tech schedule has been crazy hard. Baylor has also played a difficult schedule, but has been able to put together more wins over across that difficult schedule. Also, as much as I like Michaela Ramos, and I think she's done a great job for Iowa State, um, and, and, and Iowa State's a better hitting team thus far than Baylor is. No, it's pretty close, actually. Uh, Baylor is fourth in the Big 12. Iowa State is fifth. Pitching. Baylor's sixth. Iowa State's third. Baylor's sixth in fielding. Iowa State's fourth. Like, defensively, I have concerns about Baylor. But I feel better about Baylor's two primary pitchers than I do Iowa State's. Um, I feel very better about Daria Orme. Or Orme, I think it's Orme, and Aliyah Benford than I do the Stars for Iowa State. I I think Baylor is the team who's the fourth one to go. I do think it's going to come down to Iowa State or Baylor. Um, I like the Texas Tech pick. You're you're on your own there, <laughs> Melina. <laughs> I think, but but with RPI what it is right now, and I understand that, that 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 can change drastically. But I don't. This isn't like basketball where I think there's better chances for upsets. I think Baylor is better positioned right now. If there is a Big 12 team who is going to be able to get into the postseason, it's Baylor. Honestly, if you ask me to be, if you ask me to be honest right now, I don't know that the Big 12 gets a fourth team in. Um, I, I don't. I, I'm, I'm very worried about that. But if one does, I feel much better about Baylor than I do Texas Tech or I do Iowa State. If Texas Tech had been able to get a couple of those close wins early in the season in non-conference play, I, I would be agreeing with you. Honestly, they just lost so many games. Just just too many. Just too many games early on for me to feel good about them in this spot. Like, like we said, you get that win over Washington. You get that win over LSU. You get a win over UCLA and Missouri. You get a couple of those wins. I'm feeling a lot better about Texas Tech than I, right now than, than, I, than I am right now. No, oh, yeah, I get that. Totally get it. Like, I mean, Baylor's been battle-tested as much as Texas Tech has. Both those coaches set up extremely tough schedules for them. But, you know, Baylor, I feel like Baylor, even our Texas Tech, maybe it'll steal a win here and there, you know, when maybe other teams like Oklahoma State or, or Texas, you know, lower themselves to the competition and, you know, don't play as well. So, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll with Texas Tech. Um, I feel like they're a little bit more battle-tested, and hopefully they continue to grow and, and get better as the season goes on. Melina, you are awesome. Love having you here uh, with us each week to talk softball. We'll do this again next week, and of course we'll do more and more once uh, March Madness is done. 
Uh, Daniel is coming up next. March Madness is this weekend. Enjoy the games. Let's hope that we get uh, the dream for three Big 12 teams in the Final Four is dead. But we could get two. We can get two. I mean, half of one regional is, is Kansas and Iowa State, two of the four teams left. So, fingers crossed we have a Big 12 team in the Final Four that we'll be talking about here on Monday. Hopefully we have two. I hope so. Uh, Melina, you're awesome. Enjoy Texas at Kansas this weekend. I know you'll be uh, eyes glued to the TV. Yeah, for sure. I just hope Texas can get that sweep. And I got to say, I'm so bold on Oklahoma and they probably won't go undefeated. Like you said, they'll probably lose, you know, in the postseason. But I just know that they're going to be holding up that national championship trophy at the end of the year. You get to a point in the year. And I know no one wants to say that, like, that the goal is to go undefeated. But in the back of your mind, you get to a certain point. Like, if they get to Oklahoma City and they haven't lost, it's it, the, the idea of, like, we don't only want to win the title. We could we can go and finish an undefeated season. Like, it, it, it's hard not to make that a secondary goal as well. Yeah. I mean, pretty bold. Like I said, I, I doubt it'll happen. I mean, you, you got to lose at some point. The fan in me wants to say that Texas is going to beat them all three games. That probably won't happen. I like your prediction of them going two and one at Texas, and I, I hope they can do that. That'll be big. Uh, speaking of bold, do you know what else is bold? The incredibly comfortable vintage college logo t-shirts, sweaters, and hoodies you will find at Home Field Apparel. Official sponsor here on the 1012 podcast. You guys know what the drill is. Big new Saturday season three wrapped up. There are March Madness deals that are continuing. They're gonna put keep putting out more. They just put out a new Texas Tech shirt. They put out a new Houston shirt. They are freaking awesome. Kansas lineup is still one of the newer ones that they have introduced, as is Cincinnati. And of course, they have Texas and Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, Baylor, West Virginia, BYU, Houston. And the other school that's also joining us, UCF. There they are. <laughs> uh, I'm going to get used to it at some point. Homefieldapparel.com, the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel you will find anywhere. It's super comfortable. I'm actually not wearing my Kansas shirt at this very moment. I put it on earlier, and then I was going to make spaghetti, and I didn't want to end up with spaghetti sauce on my, my fantastic Kansas shirt, so I swapped into something that I don't mind messing up. The kids love spaghetti. What can I say? Um, Homefieldapparel.com. Use your promo code NETWORK12, N-E-T-W-O-R-K-1-2, for 15% off your first order. Go follow them on Twitter. they got promos going on all the time. Um, go check it out. Go follow the good brand, okay? Just go do yourself a favor and go do it. I don't know what all the new promos are going to be. Like, I think they told me. You're going to have to go check them out. Don't forget the uh, St. Peter's strut of destiny shirt that's absolutely ridiculously awesome homefieldapparel.com promo code network 12 15 percent off your first order be rocking the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel today there's only one place to get the best daily audio coverage of the kansas jayhawks and that's here on the rock chalk podcast Join me, your host, Andy Metz, every weekday as we go through all the biggest stories affecting your favorite college teams, whether that's football, basketball, tennis, soccer, baseball, softball, volleyball, or any other team that the Kansas Jayhawks put forward. If there's a story to cover, we grab a guest from across the sports landscape and bring that story to you. Find it now wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hey there, 1012 Network listeners. This is Dustin from the Scott and Holman Podcast, the original Houston Cougar athletics podcast, and the latest member of the 1012 Network. Uh, my co-host, Sam, do you want to tell the fine folks what the Scott and Holman Podcast is all about? 
I sure do. We come on here at least once a week and we talk all things going on in the world of Houston Cougar sports. Plus, we usually find time for some of what's going on in our future conference, our current conference, and really the college sports world at large. We're not just a football, men's basketball podcast. We really pride ourselves here on the fact that every single team that wears the Scarlet and Albino in Houston and their jerseys gets time on our show. Plus, from time to time, we bring on some guests ranging from opposing team experts to even former Olympic great Carl Lewis. So be sure to search the Scott and Holman podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember, we spell podcast P-A-W-D cast because we are oh so funny like that. All right. Obviously, this weekend, not just about brackets. It is, of course, about betting as well. That means our good friend Daniel Alexander of Grinders and Blinders joining us again. Daniel, welcome back, man. Hey, great to be here. What an awesome weekend that was uh, as a better and just as uh just as a college basketball fan and a little shout out let's give a little shout out to the big 12 right i think they started the tourney six and zero, and then a six and zero against the spread as well you know not that i had a a piece of all that action but and, and i could be corrected if i was wrong i think that was a number that i was looking at you know 100 games ago but uh yeah i think they started six and zero and six and zero against the spread so you know tip my cap to the big 12 I believe that's correct because I know with Texas Tech, Kansas, and Baylor winning by the amounts that they did, I think they covered. And then obviously uh, Iowa State pulling off the upset. Um, and I just completely drew an absolute <laughs> blank. Uh, did Texas cover? That's the only oh. – Yeah, 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 yeah. Te- Texas, yeah, there was – the game, I think it went off at maybe like Texas minus one or something like that. Okay. I mean, it was essentially a pick em. And then, you know, that second half, they just they – just, uh, ran virginia tech out of the out of the gym so yeah they they covered there Um, very cool yeah so i i I am curious you apparently had a nice uh, a nice weekend Uh, i know not everybody did uh how kind of what what have you heard as far as how betting went Uh, let's let's ask who won did the house win this weekend or or did betters uh get the better of them (laughs) I've been getting some feedback from some, from some books that uh, they, they, the books had a pretty good weekend. Um, if you follow me on the action app, uh, you know, I did. Okay. I eked out some profit, which is, you know, all I'm trying to do day in and day out. So um, I had a monster first day, gave a lot back day two, and then took some wins in just over Saturday and Sunday. So, you know, I, I do all my numbers Sunday night, Monday morning, I settle up and sometimes you just check in with guys, you know, Hey, you know, how was it on your side of the counter? And it sounds like, you know, Joe public better. And even some intermediate guys had a tough weekend. A lot of, a lot of guys on the other side of the counter, a lot of bookies seemed very happy this week and had, they had no problem paying out winners because they collected so much, you know, why does that happen? Um, the first weekend of March Madness has really taken a life of its own over the past five or six years, which is fun. You know, as a better, it's fun. And if you're just, if you're just doing it for fun and entertainment, it's great, right? You got all these great games, all these great matchups that are being, you know, shown in bars and on TV. So it's a big event. There's stuff to go do. It's teams you've heard of, and it's fun to get behind sort of Cinderella squads. You know, St. Peter's uh, took down Kentucky. Uh, you know, so it's, you know, it's fun to cheer that on, on day one and cash those big tickets. But I think Joe public maybe gets a little overextended 
you know, if a guy's a $20 better or a $30 better, you know, he's going to be doing 50 or 60 bucks a game. And he probably picks a few extra games, you know, more games than he would bet. And the format too, just to be direct, it leads to people chasing. You lose your first two or three games of the day. Well, Hey, great news. There's a game at 7 PM and then a game at 9 PM. So you might not know a single thing about the two teams playing, but, but your gut's telling you they're going to go over the total. So you put another 50 bucks on a game. You got no business betting. And, you know, since we're speaking to betting, of course you hope it's just all in fun, but that's how bookies win. You know, people are getting overextended and firing games. They shouldn't. So, so if you had a losing weekend, don't beat yourself up. I hope it was just for fun. The books did well. Hey, the house always wins. Um, <laughs> have you seen any, look, have you seen any trend to the first weekend? And, and having done this in the past, I'm curious, how much do you see any sort of trends with teams carry over from weekend one to weekend two? Because we talk all the time from a, from a team perspective, like, oh, St. Peter's makes this magical run. They usually, you see that, that stuff flame out. But, but, you know, the team perspective versus betting trends perspective, like, I feel like there's probably some variance there from just the fan side to what you guys are looking at. So I, I, am, I am curious, uh, this is two different questions, so let's break this up this way. What trends maybe did you see this on opening weekend, perhaps? Um, and historically, how often do opening weekend trends carry over to, to second weekend? Um, so uh, first one, there was, there is a trend that just feels so tried and true. And, you know, I hate talking about it because one day that means it's going to dry up, but it's still, it, it blows me away. It's just like clockwork every single year in that first round of 64 um, or just the whole first weekend, fading, trendy underdogs. Uh, what does that mean? The big one, the, the, the two biggest ones I feel like last weekend, uh, trendy underdogs were South Dakota State. They were plus two, plus two and a half versus Providence. And then the other one was actually Virginia Tech. Uh, you know, like we just talked about them, they were sort of plus one versus Texas, plus one and a half, somewhere in there. Public loved those two dogs. And you have these short favorites that people are saying they have no chance. I mean, Providence was everyone's, oh, I'm going to fade Providence so hard. They're, they're so bad. They're overrated. South Dakota State has an NBA player on the team, all this kind of stuff. Look, everyone betting South Dakota State, maybe one out of 500 people watched a single dribble of a, sing, you know, of a game they played. But you've got tens of thousands of people lined up to bet them plus two and a half. Both trendy dogs just blown out. That's a trend that just, it's like clockwork every year. You take those two or three short trendy underdogs and you just fade them and it's like an ATM. So it, it cashed again this year. Um, it is sort of a general theme that goes throughout the tournament. I do feel like it's, it's the iron is most hot in, in the first weekend of fading trendy underdogs. Um, but to that, We've got another one brewing this weekend, Sunday, St. P against Purdue. The whole world has watched St. Peter's uh, win two games straight up as, you know, fairly large dogs. And I mean, 18 point dogs to, to Kentucky. And then I think they were, they were plus nine in their Saturday matchup. And now they got to play Purdue and they're 12 and a half point dogs. St. Peter's is getting almost 75% of the bets. That means Every Joe public watch these guys win both games are lining up and they're saying, what, 12 and a half points? There's no way 
that they're going to lose by 13 or more. I, I don't love the angle as much, you know, I, when you get into sweet 16 and elite eight, you got to really hold your nose if you want to fade a really hot team. So I usually just tend to stay away in those situations unless, unless the narrative just gets so loud, you know, that Purdue is on paper. They're a much better team than St. Peter's. Are they going to cover 12 and a half? I don't know, but that's a situation where to me as a better, you're either, it's either Purdue or no bet. I just can't come along with the whole world and take some team that will probably get run out of the gym. You know, again, I'm staying away. I don't have a take on it, but stay away from the trendy underdogs and you'll save yourself some money. Good to know. Good to know. Okay. Um, So we've got four games. We're going to talk about our our current big 12 teams, Iowa state, Kansas and Texas tech and future big 12 member Houston. So four games that we're going to, we're going to break down here. Let's start with uh, with the the first game, Big Twelve game uh, that we'll have on Thursday. That's Texas Tech facing off against Duke. From what I can tell, Texas Tech is about a one point favorite in this mm-hmm. game. Uh, what are your thoughts on on this matchup in this line? Um, this is a, a fascinating matchup. Uh, Duke. I can only find Coach K as a dog one time in the sweet 16 in his career, excuse me, let me pull this up. I got it right here. Um, let's see one or two times. He was a three point dog to Oregon in 16. And then, well, I should also preface that my, my dad only goes back to 2005. So, uh, going back to 2005, one time he was a dog and that was to Oregon 2016 and they got blown out. They lost by 14 points. They lost 60 or excuse me, 82 to 68. And here they find themselves as dogs again against the spread. Coach K doesn't have that strong of a, of a record in the sweet 16. He's only three and six. Second time as a dog since 2005 line did go to Duke a little bit. I, so I do not have, I'm not going to have real money down on a side in this, but I actually lean Texas tech. Uh, this uh, Texas Tech feels like more of a complete team. Duke will let guys score and kind of hang around. God, what an awful, I mean, great backdoor if you had Fullerton on, on Saturday uh, for their backdoor cover. Um, but this, this Duke team, they're just not complete. This isn't the Coach K team that people expect. I think Texas Tech is going to win. I have bet my own money on the total. I bet over 136.5. This is now 137. Circa's hanging a 137 and a half. I feel like this will get to maybe 138 by the time we tip. So um, Texas Tech has just been playing at a faster pace for some reason this tournament. I don't know why. Uh, you saw that first game against Montana State. The thing closed like at 132 or something, 131 and a half. I mean, Correct me if I'm wrong, I can't remember that total got into like the high 140s, low 150s or something like that. Texas Tech just foot on the gas pedal and just never stopped against poor Montana State. But Texas Tech, a more complete team, having a better tournament. If I had to play them, I'd play them minus one. Going off Ken Palm numbers, a very interesting matchup. Um, 
you're going to hear a repeat of this later of, of strength on strength versus weakness on weakness. And I, <clears throat> I don't necessarily consider it a weakness when you're still ranked in the top 50. But according to Ken Palm, we have the number 46 ranked adjusted offense versus the number 43 ranked adjusted defense. That's Texas Tech's offense and Duke's defense versus the number one ranked defense in Texas Tech versus the number four ranked offense in Duke. I lean your side. I think I lean Texas Tech here just because we know how good Tech's defense is. I do think defense travels. Um, now, if they can find a middle ground offensively between what they did against Montana State and the struggles they had uh, in their second round game, somewhere in the middle offensively for Texas Tech, I'm going to feel a lot better than if they look more like they did uh, in the second round against, oh my gosh. I, and I'm just drew, literally I'm drawing a blank on who they play, which is just the most ridiculous thing. I want to say New Mexico State, and I think that's wrong. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, the Mexico State played uh, Arkansas. Arkansas. Yeah. Hold on. I'm pulling up right oh now for you. Good job, <laughs> Phil. Good good job. You'd think these things would just pop into my head because I just watched them, but no. Notre Dame. There we go. Thank you. <clears throat> so, I think I lean with you looking at this this matchup. That line that's really close, I, I, that's interesting to me. Okay. Uh, the game, the late game on uh, on Thursday, Houston Cougars uh future big 12 member versus arizona arizona currently about a one and a half point favorite over houston what are your thoughts on this one houston's a very complete team this is a short line i mean we're talking about a uh you know number one here uh versus number five and correct me if i'm wrong if houston believes seated number five there i mean there's a mm-hmm. one and a half point line this is really short this is essentially a pick em. um Arizona can score, but man, they can't stop a lot of people. So this is really going to come down to Houston, who I feel like has the more complete team on the floor. Can they, can they play defense? That's what it's going to come down to. We got a total set at 145 and a half. That's really high for a Houston game. That's, that's predicated on Arizona pushing the ball and scoring how they want. Uh, or, or, excuse me. Houston was bet this morning. This was plus two and some real and respected money came in and bet Houston this morning. Come game time, I am going to be on Houston and I'm going to be on the under of this game because if you like Houston to win this game, in my opinion, it's because that they are going to keep Arizona in check. Um, you saw... TCU hang with these guys. They went to overtime at, at, at a at a number of 150. Houston is a much more complete team than TCU. This feels like, you know, like a 72, 68, 69, 66 type of win for Houston to me. So the way I view this game, sharp money on Houston side, more complete team. Their one job is slow down the offense. Let's go. I, I'm, I'm taking Houston to under, and I'll have real money on that. Yeah, I, I like Houston in this. I, I'm shocked that there's not <clears throat> more people on Houston, given how close Arizona was. I mean, honestly, like, foul gets caught like it's supposed to. Like, I think Arizona loses that game to TCU. It's interesting there's not more money on, of, of you know, people just – betting and maybe it will closer to of, of fans thinking, okay, this, I don't trust this Arizona, uh, this Arizona team. I, I want to lean Houston. I know Carissa wasn't for, for, for Arizona. wasn't great against TCU. It was his first game back after an ankle injury. He'd missed three games. Um, 
it's another week off or or stretch for him to get healthy. I, I wonder if he looks better. I just I wonder if the that was Arizona's like if they were going to lose that was the time and they're going to start playing better as Kreese gets more healthy. I am really intrigued by this matchup. Ken Palm has this this these two teams very close. Um, Arizona's got the the number seven adjusted offense. Houston is tenth. Arizona's defense is adjusted to eighteenth. Houston's defense is tenth. So I mean, this is going to be a very close game in in my opinion. Um, I I want to lean Houston because I really want Houston to win. Um, but I'm having a hard time with this one. I I really am. I, I love you know some points that you might not see right now, but seventy two percent of the tickets right now are in Arizona. So interesting, you know, okay. Houston. Yeah, Houston, Houston only getting 28% of the bets. And we got some, you know, reverse line movement this morning. Uh, some people swear by it. Reverse line movement. What does that mean? That means that uh, we only have, you know, essentially 30% of the bets on Houston, but the line got worse, right? You would look at that and think, oh, crap, everyone's betting Arizona. That minus two is going to become a two and a half, going to become a three. Well, the opposite happened. Reverse line movement. on Houston and books move that line from a two down to a one and a half sort of almost begging people to keep betting Arizona. So this feels like a situation where the books are happy for you to come bet Arizona because they've got a suspicion that Houston's going to win this game. I'll be on that side. I hope so. hope so. Okay. Let's move to Friday's matchups. We have Kansas facing against Providence. Kansas is currently a seven and a half point favorite. I'm going to be honest, from, from what we've seen from Kansas so far, and I do think they're continuing to play better and better. Remy Martin has, has kind of turned things around there for them. Providence has played well. I'm curious your thoughts on this line, which is a little bit big, bigger than I, I thought it would be. As far as the, the game itself goes, I think Kansas will win the game. Okay, so just you know, one seed, they're playing Providence. Providence was that team that everyone wanted to fade. And Providence came through, and they they won and covered. Uh, I think, but yeah, yeah, both their games they won and covered. Blew out whoever it was in the, the in their second game. They were minus three and a half, minus four, and they just blew them out. He was Richmond. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. They just that was never even a game of. Yeah, you know, I think Richmond might have pulled it within ten at some point. Thinking like, oh, maybe we'll have something here, and nope. But so what I find interesting now was the whole world wanted to fade Providence, which they did. They, they, they bet against Providence all last weekend and they lost both sides. And now we're sitting here uh, just a few days before the game and 70% of the bets are now on Providence. People have watched Kansas, you know, have a little bit of a tough time with Creighton. Uh, I mean, what Creighton cut it to three or something, right? Like pretty late in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think people say, oh, you know, Kansas is struggling, but Providence just burned us. Now we're going to, oh, now they're getting seven and a half. Well, that kind of stinks to me, right? Like what? This this Kansas team that struggled against Creighton, um, I mean, they had no problems in their first game, Texas Southern District, you know, whoever they roll out there. Uh, they had no problems there. Kansas then struggles against Creighton. The whole world watches Providence cover both their games handily. They all come to bet Providence and the line is seven and a half books are really giving out seven and a half to Providence people and letting them take it. I probably am not going to have real money on a side on this, but this is Kansas or no bet to me. Um, this, 
the line sort of just doesn't make sense. It doesn't totally add up a team that was great versus a team that's struggling. And the team that's struggling now has to go win this thing by eight points and everyone's betting against them. Kansas or no bet is the situation here. Yeah. I think that's interesting. I, I think Kansas is the better team here, obviously, but you know, for Kansas, you look at it and say, okay, they got, they got Providence and then they've either got Miami or Iowa state. This is set up for them for an easy run to the final four. We've seen many, an easy path trip up uh, really good teams in the past. So I, I feels like this should be a Kansas should win, but you know, we've, <laughs> we've seen crazier things happen. Okay. The other game on Friday, Iowa state facing off against Miami, uh, Miami currently a two and a half point favorite. I'm, I'm really interested and excited in this one. What are your thoughts? Um, if Iowa state repeats what they just did against Wisconsin, they're not going to have a chance that ugh, that game ate me up. I loved the total in that Iowa State Wisconsin game. I got a good line. I bet over 125. I think closed at 126 or 126 and a half. And then both teams, I think, combined from three, five for 38 from three or something like that, or six for 42. It was something unbelievable. At one point, Wisconsin was one for 19 from three. And it's like, guys, I just need you to score 125. And I'm just dying every possession. I think eight minutes into the second half, the teams had combined for like seven points. And it's like, what is going on here? Um, so if Iowa State comes out with that performance, Miami's going to win this game. This does not bode well, uh, this situation uh, for Iowa. We saw the line open basically minus one or a pick em, sort of, you know, across all books. And now uh, we flipped, right? Now we're sitting as Miami as a favorite at two and a half points. Uh, since 2005, when we get a flip like that and one team's flip into the favorite with a line move, uh, the favorite's 11 and four against the spread. So uh, that's not, you know, that's not saying that's what's going to happen here, but historically, when we look at it, it's a bad spot for Iowa State. Um, you know, when we break it down, like that. I think Miami is a more complete team. I really, I really don't like that. The fact Iowa state's coming off a game where they, they played very poorly. And the only reason they got away was because the other team played even worse. Like that doesn't instill a lot of confidence when we're looking at a Miami team that's done the opposite, took care of a, a USC team that was very good as dogs. And then they won straight up to uh, uh, as seven point dogs to Auburn. Yeah, they, this Miami team is playing very well. Never trail against Auburn. <clears throat> Entire game. God, what just what a masterful job as a seven point dog to never trail and like never let it get close. And then the sweet 16 lines up uh, lines open and this line moves three and a half points and flips to Miami as a favorite. Just, you know, what's the term? Like, you know, reading the tea leaves or whatever, like mm -hmm. just does not look good for Iowa state when there's that significant of, of a move, right? It open. That means very smart, respected people just said, no, this Miami team is the favorite here. Yeah. Isaiah Wong for Miami has been a stud here in the tournament so far, 22 games against or 22 points against USC in 24 minutes, uh, shot 58%, 21 points on 44% shooting against Auburn in 36 minutes. Like uh, he's been, He's been a stud for Miami. If he keeps that up, they can go on a little, they can keep this run going. This is, 
Kind of like the matchup we talked about previously. Very much a strength on strength and weakness on weakness. Uh, you have the number five ranked adjusted defense, according to Ken Palm, from Iowa State versus the number 18th ranked adjusted offense, according to Miami. Flip that, the 158th ranked adjusted offense for Iowa State and the 123rd ranked adjusted defense for Miami. It's the worst defense I think Iowa State's faced in since non-conference play, obviously, because the Big 12's defense is gross. But typically, I think defense carries and travels. Um, So I think Iowa State has a shot here. But the way Miami is playing offensively, if their guards continue to shoot as well as they have, even against Iowa State's defense, it does concern me. Honestly, of the... Of the four Big 12 matchups we have, like, I know I'm supposed to feel worse about Houston or Texas Tech. This one, like, those are the ones where I'm kind of like, I feel good about Texas Tech. I feel okay about about Houston. I feel fine about Kansas. This is the one that you're like, okay, Iowa State, keep this run going. I, I don't know. Like, I don't know. But the, uh, the, uh, the 11-4 record stat is very, very interesting. All right, um... One thing I want to talk about with you before we get you out of here, uh, BetMGM released the uh, the final four odds that came out earlier this week. Uh, Kansas, the overall prohibitive favorite at 170, minus 175. Gonzaga at minus 165. Um, the rest of the Big 12, Texas Tech at plus 450. Iowa State at plus 5,500. Uh, and Houston at plus tw- uh, 225. I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on, on betting final four. Do you bet final four odds or do you prefer to stick game to game? Um, and if you're going to say, I'm going to put some money on Kansas, how, do you feel like that affects your mentality going into the individual games Kansas will have to play? Um, those are good questions. So I personally uh, just bet game to game. Okay. Uh, unless I actually find, you know, what I consider to be literal value on a price, meaning books are giving me too good of a price on a team to make, you know, final four, or national championship or something like that. So um, that is that is how I approach those situations. Now, um, to follow up though here and sort of look at these final four lines that we're looking at, I do like, you know, BetMGM is Kansas at minus 175 right now to make the final four. Um, I really like that. I think, I mean, look, just a, a, as we're sitting here today, I think if they beat Providence, which I think they will, uh, you know, they're then their next draw, I feel like is a pretty good matchup. Like you said, a pretty clear path to the final four and at minus 175, I don't think that's a terrible number to bet them. Uh, I think that might even be better if they end up and please correct me if I'm wrong. They could be playing Iowa state, right? If Iowa state wins, beats mm-hmm. Miami. Yeah. yeah. So they, get, they, they win, they'll play the winner of Miami or, or Iowa state. Correct. Yeah. So they beat Providence. If it's first uh, Iowa state, that 175 is actually probably cheap. I mean, that, that, that's a good line that bet MGM has up. If you like Kansas to make the final four, um, the path just seems easier than a minus 175. Um, now, as far as value goes, Villanova, as of yesterday, you could bet Villanova at a plus 1500. What that means is uh, you win $15 for every $1 you put up. So if you bet 100 bucks on Villanova, 
you'd get, you'd get $1,500 yet. You'd win 1500. Um, their true line to win the natty, uh, in my opinion, is around like seven and a half to 8%. And that's about a plus 1200 plus 1185 plus 1190, something like that. And quite a bit of books had them at plus 1500, which I was surprised about. That was the only sort of true value number that I could find, uh, for teams left to still win the natty. And I know I'm sort of getting off topic of your, uh, of, you know, no, look, just looking at the please. final four numbers, but you know, anyone listening Villanova at plus 1500 is actionable, meaning that's worth your money. If you can find that line, you know, don't go crazy, but you know, $20 bed or something like that, $10, $50, whatever your appetite is for something like that. Um, 15 to one's a great number. I mean, they're favorites in the sweet 16 to Michigan, five point favorites. So, you know, assuming they can, can get by that game, they're going to be a tough draw in, in the elite eight. They're not going to be some easy out. So there's value there at plus 1500 on the final four. And I'm not just picking it because it's a big 12 team, Kansas at minus 175 to make the final four. I think it's a great number considering their draw to get there. I know how good Gonzaga is, but <clears throat> Arkansas first and then either Duke or Texas Tech, them at 165 does not feel like a good value. I mean, yeah, you're, you're probably better off, you know, doing what's called roll over the money line, which means you bet the money line versus Arkansas and you take every, you know, you take your bet and then everything you won and you put it all back on when they go play Texas Tech or Duke. And I think, I mean, besides seven minutes versus uh, was it Georgia State, Georgia Southern? I can't uh, mm-hmm. can't remember who they played in that first round there. Um, besides like seven minutes of basketball, where they really, you know, stepped on the throats there, they haven't looked incredible right i mean you had georgia southern tied with them at like eight minutes left in the game 52 52 and then you had memphis who in my opinion isn't a great team you know they're good but they're not great hang with gonzaga pretty much all the way to the end i mean we're talking about you know the ball bounces a different way and memphis wins that game you know on a four-point game so a nine-point line against Arkansas, I'm surprised it's that high. I'll probably be light Arkansas as far as a bet goes. Um, and then, did you get Texas Tech or Duke, if they look great coming out of that game and, and Gonzaga survives Arkansas, that's going to be a short line. So, uh, you know, I, I guess I'm long-winded agreeing with you. Yeah, that, That's, you know, the last four teams there in that region, that's a dogfight. I'm surprised Gonzaga is a nine and a half point dog versus Arkansas. It's the <clears throat> it's the only region with one, two, three, and four, the top four seeds in it still there, which is why I know how good Gonzaga is. And this isn't a shot at Gonzaga. If Kansas were in there, I'd feel the same way. It's more just to do with they have arguably the most difficult path to the final four still. So to have them at the second best odds to make the final four just doesn't feel like a good value bet to me. Whereas, say, Arizona at plus 125, if they get past Houston, Michigan or Villanova, like, I, I think that's, that, 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 like, for Arizona being, like, everyone thinks they're such a great, I just, it's crazy to me. I, I don't know. 
I just, I just, I don't think I'd like it. That's not where I would want to spend my money is on Gonzaga. Hey, look uh, at you getting a little sharp, projecting out matchups, the price of games. I like it, man. You're rubbing off on me here a little bit. Buddy. <laughs> <laughs> it's all this time. It's finally starting to work. Uh, Daniel, you're awesome as always. Um, if everybody wants to track your, uh, your bets through this weekend, and I know you do some, some, uh, you're going to put some bets on the, uh, on some of the women's uh, women's games this weekend. Um, I, I probably will not, you know, okay. I'll just, Hey, it, it's not a, an area. I do bet a lot of WNBA, but, uh, college hoops, uh, it's just not an area where I'm doing work. So I don't want to try to, you know, BS people or, you know, act like it's something where I know what I'm talking about. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, so you can follow all Danny, where can everybody follow all of the bets at your place in this weekend? Uh, from March Madness and across everything else. Uh, come find me on Twitter at DannerB7. Uh, and then, you know, link in the bio to follow along with every single bet I make. I've made about 26,000 bets since 2018, according to this app. So uh, you can come follow along with every single one across every single sport. Fantastic. Daniel, um, We'll get you on next week. Talk a little, a uh, little Final Four and national championship numbers. Whether we got look, whether we have Big Twelve teams in it or not, we'll probably talk about it at least for a few minutes. We've got to do that. Yeah, let's jump in. I'll come join you for ten or fifteen minutes, and I, I have a sinking suspicion we'll have a Big Twelve team to talk about. Podcast Network.